Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with friends and I have a new friend, Sarah Lee. Sarah is a vegan. She's a model, she's an animal communicator and Reiki practitioner living in Los Angeles. We discuss all about listening to animals, having communication with them, veganism, and her path into this world. I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation with Sarah. Welcome, Sarah. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I want to tell everybody a little bit about uh, the background is that I have been following you on Instagram as a fellow vegan. Yes. fell in love with your humor and your, if everybody needs to follow you at Sarah Leah, um, it's, let's just go back to the very beginnings. You're from South Africa, but how did you decide to become vegan and then use that, your platform as a, as just a huge vegan activist? Yeah. I mean, I grew up in South Africa around so many different types of animals. I grew up on a farm But also in South Africa, you know, you have the big five, you have lions, zebras, elephants, rhino. And so you grow up with this affinity and understanding for how delicate the ecosystem is and animals' lives. And then, you know, I didn't, I never knew what vegan was, but I knew that the meat that I was eating came from an animal. So at some point, I think like around 10, I was like, oh, well, this is weird for me to be eating an animal. So I stopped that. But Nobody ever educated anybody on what actually happened to get dairy, you know? And then later on in life, when you have access to social media, I learned about this term vegan and then started seeing videos of like cows and what happens in the dairy industry. And I was like, oh, well, this makes no sense for me to say I love animals, but be contributing to that. That makes no sense. So it was just black and white for me. Yeah, it was just like a no-brainer. For me as well. I was the same way. I was vegetarian for many years because I think it's the first it's the first step for a lot of people. I do know people that have gone straight from omnivorous to vegan, but I think yeah. when you're starting to think about killing an animal and not being okay with that, especially when you love animals, that's a clear step. But then again, because of all the really gross brainwashing that happens totally. from you know from the dairy industry because they're a billion dollar industry. We just think that, you know, dairy cows are just delightfully walking around and need to get yeah. milked because poor dairy cows, if they don't, as a female and as a feminist, I think it's mm-hmm. really the most disturbing. It's the most disturbing. It's it really the is. most disturbing. 
Yeah, I want to touch on that feminist thing because I got so much hate on my Instagram, but we'll come to that. Yeah, and then I think it comes down to purpose. You know, I think we all have this thing about needing to know what our purpose is, giving each day purpose. And for me, I was like, well, what the shit? is the point of my life. Like, why am I here? You know, that's what I would ask myself from the beginning of time. I mean, I used to cry as a child about being on earth. It's something that I've always struggled with. (laughs) Sounds so funny. But the only thing I feel like I care about is animals. I could really be unbothered about many things. And that's maybe bad to say, you know, of course we want to fight for justice in all areas, but I feel like really powerful about fighting for justice for animals. That's just something that I think is in a lot of the DNA of vegans. There's something in us that we cannot go a day without fighting for the justice of animals and justice for children, justice for women. You know, it is in some people's literal DNA, I believe. And so I was like, well, there's literally no point to me posting anything on social media if it's not serving a purpose. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you do it so well. And I think that because you are so articulate, so passionate, and quite frankly, gorgeous. That doesn't hurt. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I think you're going to get, I think that's great to recognize like, well, what can I, what can I do? How can I serve? And I do think you're right. Like this is in the DNA. It isn't as natural. And I try to say to people, for some people, I think we're so wired to, I've been vegan 19 and a half years and it is, it is the most I always say it was the most spiritually, profoundly incredible shift and transformation when I made that. And I think that, you know, when people talk about, like, I know celebrities like Miley Cyrus and all that, Mm -hmm. they're vegan and all of a sudden they're not. And I'm like, you know what? They weren't actually vegan. They were trying a plant-based diet. And that is a very different thing. I'm happy animals are going to not suffer either way. But I think for vegans, there there would never be a state where we would say it would be okay to go back to eating meat or the totally, eating dairy. It's totally, just, 100%. it's such an ethical thing. Totally. How do you deal with the people who, who really do genuinely want to exhibit compassion? Because compassion, truly, the definition is you feel care for some other species, other being so much that you would not want harm. You wouldn't want anything that you wouldn't, any actions on them that you would not want on yourself. That's true compassion. And I think that's even in the yoga world, we talk about non-harm and I think it goes beyond just non-harm. It's, it's like, it's a conviction. How do you discuss with people who have the desire, can see the benefit, but just are like, well, this is really hard I really love cheese on and on and on. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I was just on a live and somebody asked me like, what do you say to people that want to become vegan? To me, it's just black and white. Like you have to really sit with yourself and decide and figure out what your priorities are. For me, my priorities are, I don't want to know that I contributed to suffering in any way. And that is ever changing. That goes to, you know, like driving a Tesla, you know, what, where these materials are coming from, suffering in any way. Those are my priorities. So when people are like, oh, but like, it's so awkward when we go to barbecues and like everyone's barbecuing, like a meat patty and there's nothing for me, to me, that just doesn't bother me because my priorities are just not contributing to suffering. So I would rather throw a potato on there or like eat a raw potato than try and fit in, you know? So to me, it's just black and white, but somebody has to really sit and figure out like what their priorities are. 
but to know that it is black and white. It doesn't matter if the animal was raised on a loving farm, if it was grass-fed, if it was humanely slaughtered, even though there's no such thing as humane slaughter, they all still suffer unnecessarily. And so knowing that, it should just be that simple once you fathom that. I, I agree. Where in South Africa were you raised? I was born in Cape Town, grew up in Johannesburg, and then moved back to Cape Town. Okay, because I've been to South Africa. And so I'm, I've been to Africa to about eight countries. And so I, I just love, love the continent. And yeah. I remember being in South Africa and we climbed up this wonderful peak to look down and everybody up there, we'd been on a you know safari for a few days together. I was with yeah. other people and they had these Impala kebabs that they passed around as a snack. And everybody's like, oh, these are so good. And I thought, how, how, <laughs> it yeah. seemed like such a disconnect. Like, how do you admire them in the wild? And I think it's because there's so many of them, it's really easy to not think of the individuals. Totally. So not just in that circumstance, but in the places in the world where there are no factory farms and there are people that are eating meat, how do you discuss veganism or how would you promote it for the people that are truly just going out and killing just the animal they need to eat. What is your take on that? Because I know we're asked all kinds of kind of more ridiculous questions like, well, what if you were on an island and you had no choice? Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Um, That's a good question. I think it goes down to, you know, we're now in 2020. We're not in the middle ages where we're cavemen and we have to survive. If there was a shortage of food and it was necessary to kill another living thing, That's a different story, but we don't live in that world. Actually, we live in a world where fruits, nuts, vegetables, grains, seeds are all readily available, where you actually don't even have to lift a finger besides picking it up and paying for it. You don't have to go out into the wild and hunt an animal yourself. Like it's so unnecessary. So I think that would be the argument is like, it's not necessary. We can survive without it. Like we literally are surviving without it. And then the other thing is it's cultural. You know, like I grew up eating ostrich steak. And that's cultural. But at some point, you know, I'm a firm believer in questioning everything. (laughs) Like I don't trust the government. I don't trust anything that's just like shoved down my throat. And so I also come from a place of questioning society and the way in which I was raised and culture and stuff like that. Just because it's cultural doesn't mean that you have to do it, you know? So that would be the discussion, but also not in a hateful way. Like having an understanding, you know, I too once ate meat. I too ate ostrich burgers. We just know that that is a living being. And then also from a professional standpoint, as an animal communicator, knowing the sentience of animals and seeing how they have a full experience, the way that a human mother carries its child and forms a bond and a connection with this child that like cannot be broken. And the way that a human mother would suffer if that child was taken from them. It's the exact same thing with animals. Animals have the exact same experiences. They just don't express it in English, Uh, but it's there. Right, right. And we're so, how arrogant of us to assume that just because we don't understand their communication, that that kind of emotional intelligence is not present. We give it to our animals, our domestic animals, like, oh, we can tell when your dog is sad or anxious or whatever, but it's put away that we don't, you know, I think, Culturally, the animals are most people, unless they're living on a farm. And I think I think a lot of farmers have a lot of schisms within them. I can't imagine. For sure. Uh, they talk about it. They do. They do. 
So I think for anyone who's going out and buying and purchasing an animal to eat, they don't have the connection to the fact that this was a sentient being with feelings, with emotions, with the desire to live. Yeah. And I think also if information has been kept from us, I mean, information in many different ways, information about how to be financially literate, that information is kept from us. The real information about where our food comes from, you know, like we are taught these basic things that are thrown at the education system. But can you imagine, can you imagine if the teachers told these kids that bacon is pig, that milk comes from a lactating mother that's supposed to be for the calf, but the milk actually is given to humans because the calf is taken away. Can you imagine? Nobody would, if children made that connection, were, t- were taught the truth of the world, there would be no such thing as dairy consumption. Absolutely. My kids are vegan. They were yeah. vegan since utero. And my daughter's 18. My son is 15. And people will ask, well, do you think they'll ever try something else? And I'm like, they have the freedom, but why would they? They are like, they didn't have to deal with this cognitive dissonance that we have to as children. Like, hey, be nice to everything. Okay, make sure you eat your chicken and get your protein. All of us did it, even with very loving parents. You know, it's just, so my kids are such great examples of not having to have gone through that. For them, it was much more of the question of, well, why would anyone want to eat that? Why would somebody want to eat a chicken? And so I- I do think it summons us or encourages us to think back to our childhood self. Because mm-hmm. when we start eating animals that we that are our friends, that really are inhabitants of this world, it's not going to sit right. We have to um, disguise it, call it a hamburger, call it bacon. You know, we mm-hmm. don't call it what it really is, which is a dead cow or a dead pig. And that that's because we're protecting our kids from the truth. Yeah, and, and I'm so glad that you raised your kids that way because I, I don't have my own children, but I also think that it is such a disservice. You know, parents always want the best for their kids, right? So they want to equip them so that they can survive in the world and thrive in the world. But how can you equip your children fully and successfully if you are not teaching them the truth of the world? Yes, yes. You know, yeah. I think it is, why do we lie to children? Why mm. do we lie to children? Why don't we tell them the truth? so that they are fully equipped for this ever-changing, intimidating world. It's so true. And I remember even as when my daughter was maybe five, we were reading some books. And at the end of one, she said, why do they always end like that? Like it's all kind of, she didn't say it like this, but it was big, it's all like wrapped up nice and pretty. She really started to gravitate. And it wasn't just her, but I think it's the natural inclination of kids to realize, like, look at some of the darkness and be like, wow, how do you live within the dark and light? And that's actually what is going to equip them. And they recognize at some point, like this is a little bit too perfect. It's a cellophane wrap. And they kind of are like, hey, I need to hear some other other stories that are not so wonderful. Yeah. And for those kids that are taught like, oh, it's always like a happy ending and blah, blah, blah. Have a rude awakening when they're out in the real world, I see it all the time. And I, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, I'm so grateful that I grew up with a mother that from a young age taught me about having to trust your intuition, having to be aware of the people around you, that you can't trust everybody. Why do we say like, oh, everybody's wonderful. You know, you just don't talk to strangers, but like the world is safe. No, it's not. The world's not safe. There's many dangers. Why not tell your, tell your daughters, be aware there is such thing as pedophiles. There is such thing 
as children being stolen. That is a very real and rife thing in every single community. Doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, it is very much existing. Why don't we equip our daughters? Yes. Amen. You know? Amen. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I was saying, like, I'm so grateful that my mom just said things how they were, told me to be aware of men and women, be aware of my surroundings, to be aware of, you know, instincts, aware of drugs, aware of how these things come about, you know? I avoided so many things by being equipped as a child. I love that. So how did you, tell us a little bit about your story. From growing up in South Africa, now you're in the United States. How did you make that? I was modeling and then I went to study acting in New York and then I did my second year in LA um, and had a modeling contract here, so I stayed. It's definitely a passion, but I hate the business. But I also knew, I mean, I always knew that I was going to end up in LA. Like from a young child, I knew I was coming to LA and I also knew that I had to be here for the movement that I wanted to be a part of. So the minute I landed, like the day I landed in LA, it was the day I went vegan um, and really just got super involved with, you know, the animal rights community and things like that. But the whole time, you know, from a young age, I was always super aware of what was going on in an animal's mind and like telling people, oh, this horse like hates this or whatever. You know, my whole life, I didn't know anything different. So I thought that that was normal. But then becoming older and realizing like, oh no, actually nobody else experiences it this way. And then my mom sent me to work with a well-known animal communicator in South Africa. And once I worked with her, I was like, oh, this is what this is. <laughs> like, okay, this makes sense now. Um, so then just decided to make that my profession as well as you know my right. passion. So let's talk about that a little bit. What you're referring to is you are a kind of an expert animal communicator. So you realized at a young age, you had some affinity, not only to feeling, feelings and compassion and love for animals, but also ability to communicate with them. What is that like? Because again, our communication is usually through English. Is it through this medium of energy? How do you know the translation of what an animal is feeling and communicating? First of all, I want to say that I believe that everybody has this ability. I believe everybody has an instinct and everybody has intuition. It's just dumbed down or blocked because we rationalize it. Um, you know, all children, every single child has an affinity with animals. You always see these things of, of animals and children just gravitating together because they don't have an ego yet. They're just vibrating with everything around them in the natural way that human beings are supposed to be. Or they have imag- imaginary friends where it's actually these other things that are going on. And then at some point, the parent says, oh, don't be silly. That's just your imagination. Don't be stupid. And then they're like, oh yeah, I guess that is me just being silly. And they block that ability, you know? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I have no idea <laughs> why, but that, that ability was never blocked. Um, and I'm surprised that it wasn't. I always had, I believe also that vegans are empaths. Um, we are aware and can feel the pain of animals. But the problem with that is when you carry energy of another thing and you don't know what it is, it starts affecting you physically and emotionally. So that's what would happen is, you know, I would pass someone or I'd be around an animal or a person and I would like take on what was going on for them, thinking it was my own stuff the whole time. Constantly this up and down and up and down and up and down. And eventually my mom had me work with, you know, psychics and healers and energy workers and whatever to understand what is actually going on. Cause I felt like I had no control. I felt like 
right now I'm good. I'm going to open that door and walk outside into the world. And my whole day is going to be flipped upside down. Like that's what it was like every day. So learning to harness that, but yeah, it, it always depends. It can be a feeling. It can be an image. It can be a sound. It can be a smell. It can be the concept. Usually it's the concept of something. So like now when I work with animals, somebody will book a session with me and then I will get the information, whatever they want me to know, a picture. And then you go into a deep meditation. And for the most part, I experience something like in my mind's eye. I'll have the full experience so that I can understand it. Or if it's a medical thing, I will experience it in my body. So I will feel like a tumor on the right side of my brain, or I'll feel like a parasite or whatever it is. You know, it can be different every time, but it always depends. I love it because I watched your podcast with this woman who had her dog and you said what the dog was feeling, which was, I really wish I wouldn't have this smoke around me. And I saw the woman's face. She's like, holy shit. And you didn't know any of that, but her husband was a smoker. And I was just like, what? I mean, I'm getting chills thinking about it. Like that just came through to you that that's what the dog was. It's just the image. It's like, they'll show me almost like a scene of something. That was incredible. That was so incredible. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, it was interesting. That was a good podcast. Yeah, it always depends. But you know, 97% of communication is nonverbal anyway. Yes. Human beings, we don't like to admit it, but human beings, we think we rely on English, but actually not. I can stand, well, you can stand with somebody and there's just something about them that just makes you feel scared or irks you, or you're like worried about them, or you got this feeling about something. People say it all the time. Men say it all the time, especially in business, but they, they think it's just like normal. They don't acknowledge that it's actually intuition. So if we acknowledge that more, we can be more aware of it and realize like all of us can do that. Right. And this is not, I teach yoga. I'm a physical therapist. I have a lot of science in my background. I'm a vegan. So, and I'm also a skeptic, kind of skeptic in in terms of critical thinker, but this is not woo woo. Like we are energetic bodies. We have our own energy. What I always talk about a lot in my teacher trainings and in my yoga, it takes an incredible amount of strength to be open-hearted, truly open-hearted to experience what you're saying. You will feel the pain of someone else. That is a necessary thing. You don't want to hold on to it, but there is strength in being able to do that. And so what I always am talking about is like, we need to take care of ourselves and be strong, not only for ourselves, but for others so that we can, you know, really truly be there, be their voice, speak up for them when they are disenfranchised. What do you do for yourself to really maintain that? that sense of strength, inner strength and outer strength? What is your, uh, like not routine, but like what, what are you, the ingredients that help you? That's a good question. Like you say, it's not woo-woo. This is all energy. And, you know, I just released, I released this ebook talking about how to live a more compassionate life. And one of the things in there is about the vibration and the frequency of certain foods and the vibration and frequency of our own body. And on a scientific level, plants vibrate have, and they have a higher frequency than the human body. And in science, they say in quantum physics, they say that if something of a lower vibration consumes or joins something of a higher vibration, then it makes that lower vibration vibrate higher. 
And it's so true. And that's something that you said earlier about like, you almost have this like spiritual awakening because all of a sudden you're only consuming something of a higher vibration and you are literally vibrating your own self higher. That's a big one for me. And a lot of things can lower your, your vibration on a scientific level. So one of the main things was, you know, I have to cut out alcohol. I have to cut out um, marijuana. I don't think that it's helpful for me. I think that it makes me tired and I have to consume like very clean foods and then also manage stress, you know, because after that podcast came out with Brittany Furlan, like I am booked up until the end of January and it's a lot. I have to get up every day, connect. It's like deep work and it actually is so exhausting, but also really rewarding. But I've had to really be strict on my lifestyle now. I have to not drink alcohol. I have to make sure that I get to sleep. I cannot eat processed foods anymore. And I could feel my, like my vibration, my intuition, it was so strong. And then I had, I was in like a lot of pain. I'd hurt my neck over the weekend and I ate like frozen foods that was in my freezer because I couldn't go out. And I took Benadryl. And for the next three days, it feels like my brain can't work. It's what, that's why they give it to babies <laughs> or yeah. kids. Yeah, no, exactly. Definitely. And you can do things that you can do this like over thousands of miles. I, I agree. And I feel like that's why easier to do it so many people because you're not then dealing energy. with the present you know, when they talk about going with the on necessary information, even uh, cleanses. Um, what do they always so yeah, have but, you do? Uh, you're eating plants, but you can do that all the time. I like you have a very full schedule and I attribute my ability to, to manage it because of what I eat. Yes, I move. Yes, I drink water. Yes, I avoid the things that would change up my energy. But the food you ingest is is really, and, and I think it's vibrational. I think it's energy. I think it's spiritual. Mm-hmm. I think you just totally. feel good eating plants. I really do. Yeah, 100%. So can you tell us a little bit about your Reiki background and how you apply this with healing. So if somebody is listening and they want, they're like, oh my gosh, I have a really anxious dog and I just, no dog trainers done anything. How can I access Sarah? And what is it that the Reiki would do for my dog? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I am Reiki certified and I have a good understanding of where emotions sit in the physical body and how emotions can manifest themselves physically. You know, like autoimmune diseases oftentimes comes from being a victim in some sort of situation. So in that sense, I will apply the understanding of where your personal experience is sitting in the body and how we can on a physical level, and energetic level, move that around. But for the most part, most of my sessions are, it's more psychology, like understanding where this trauma is sitting on an emotional and spiritual plane, but then also the physical plane. Reiki is very effective though. If I am just doing energy work on a dog, it is so effective for animals because they don't have an ego. They don't rationalize anything. They are just continuously vibrating with everything around them. It's far more effective on a dog or a cat than it is on a human being. Although Reiki is extremely effective on a human being, the human also has to get through their ego. And you can, yeah. do, you can do this like over my, my, thousands of miles apart. It's much easier to do it remotely because you're not then dealing with the present information, you're dealing with the necessary information. So you work with humans and animals both. 
I mean, mainly animals, but it always ends up being about the human being. <laughs> so the anxious dog might be anxious because of the person. <laughs> no, it always ends up like coming out about like what's going on in the home. You know, like I just had like two days ago, somebody had booked me that the dog was like extremely anxious and like really all of a sudden scared of the husband and whatever. And then I like connected with the dog and the dog was showing me this like husband that had all of this animosity and resentment towards the wife. And it's like, I could feel like I could cut it with a knife. And he was so intimidating, this man. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so scared of this man. Like what is going on in this resentment that he could like throw this resentment at her like daggers. And that's the only thing that I got out of the conversation. And then I spoke to her and I was like, listen, your husband has so much resentment towards you. He is so scary. Like, why is he so intimidating? It's almost like he walks through the door. He's so intimidating. And then it takes him like 24 hours to not be intimidating anymore. And she was like, oh, well, that's so crazy because that's one of the biggest issues in our marriage right now is because he's a police officer. And it takes him like a day for him to not be like this police officer man in the home. But also, I don't know, I won't say like what's going on in their marriage, but there is a major thing that happened that they're like really rocky and it literally has to do with him resenting her for something that happened. And I was like, this is the only reason that your, your dog is a mirror of what's happening. And the dogs are always, and animals are always mirrors of like what's happening in the home. Your dog is just a mirror and your dog wants you to know that he recognizes and acknowledges That's that amazing. this is actually real. I know that because like even our dog who is a little bit on the, higher wiring for sure. He, yeah. he was a little rescue pup. And they say that, you know, those earlier months that you can't really account for, he might've been abandoned really early and, and has some fear about abandonment and all that. He doesn't have any of that in his actions, but he's really tuned into how we are interacting with each other. So my husband's very loud. He's just a loud New Yorker. I mean, my son's 15, he's 6'2", he's loud. So if we're all sitting there and we're, we can be actually happily dancing and my dog is just like, is everything okay? Is everything? Cause we're just, you know, for him, he's like registering or my husband will come up and give me a big bear hug. And my dog goes, "Mm, mm." it's like this. And it always ends in a, like a, like a question, like, "Mm," like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay, buddy. He's just giving me a hug. He loves us equally. It isn't about, he thinks anything is happening, but he's, he's just present to like, is everything? It's so fascinating. So fascinating. And they just have to understand it. Like you've got to rewire that and show them that, you know, but at the same time, we are all naturally like, I am so sensitive to sound. Like it doesn't matter how hard I work on it or meditate on that. And like just acknowledging the sound for what it is. Like that's just, it's just in my DNA. Right. Like I my daughter in so many ways. Yeah. I, so, and animals are the same. Like so many animals are just so sensitive to sound and vibration. It doesn't matter what you do. And actually then I think that it's our job to then adapt to them because they physically cannot adapt to us. Yeah. And it's like with my dog, like so sensitive to fast things and to sound. And so I make sure because I don't want him anxious all the time, no matter what I do, it's always the same. I've adapted to him. I love that. I yeah. warn him before something happens, before I pick something up or I put on the uh, little garbage disposal or whatever it is. Like it's it's a marriage. Like we've both got to work around each other. Right, you and know? it's super thoughtful. It's super thoughtful to realize that, like I really wish I had learned earlier about my daughter's sensitivity to sound. 
uh, it just took me a while to figure out like, wow, lights coming on quickly or sound, even like she would complain about one, it was usually her brother or uh, her dad eating too loudly, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, can you stop slurping? And we we were all just like, wow, you know, just like she's thinking it's rude, but then as she pierces your brain, exactly. As we get older and I learn more about it and it was like, no, this really to her sounds like she wants to put headphones on because it's like, she's not going to change. That's how she's wired. That's who she is. And in that she's super sensitive to others. She's a real empath. Yeah. I was just about to say, is she like very intuitive because very intuitive. And that is one of the curses that comes with like being really in tune with the things around is actually there's being affected by other people's energy is something that you need to learn for your own physical health to be able to switch on and off. Like I won't work with stuff unless I've like sat in a ceremony and given permission. But one of the side effects of being that way and being born that way as an empath or an indigo child or whatever it is, is you have physically such a sensitivity to sound and light because you are hearing, you are literally hearing things on another dimension. So your hearing has to be so sensitive. And I know exactly her experience because that's me. I cannot, if I hear somebody chewing an apple or chips, I cannot deal with it. I want to like, I want to just hide in a hole. I can't, my brain literally physically cannot take it no matter what I do. No, she's totally like that. I think part of it also is like, she's really great right now, but high school was hard for her. Like it is for many. And I think a lot of it is that really trying to navigate all these different personalities, all this different energy and not really knowing like, I don't want to say who to trust, but who to align with. There's a delicacy that's needed. And I don't mean she's delicate because she's not, she's not fragile at all, but there it's when you're stuck in a group of peers, your own age, and many of them are not. And the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so tough. It's so tough. Yeah, what, that age is what like... Is your, what's, your, what's your horoscope sign? Gemini. Gemini. Mm. Yeah. She's, a, she's a cancer. So she like totally fits cancer. You know, super loving and compassionate, but also super sensitive. And sensitivity, I also want to commend. I think it's sensitive has this, like in that fragility, like weakness, but yeah. it's really being open and expansive. You do have to know how important it is to be strong and know yourself well in terms of like, I know you care most about animals, but in terms of people now we're in a pandemic, but in normal times, like how do you manage beyond just the vegan stuff? Who do you like to hang out with? Yeah. I mean, most of my friends are vegan. I have a lot of, and I've dated people that aren't vegan, you know, that's not like a be all end all. But like you say about the sensitivity, it has become, the more you're aware of it, the more you can't switch it off. And that's one thing that I do struggle with in social situations is I am so sensitive, but also sensitive to what people say, because I feel like I know that that came from somewhere within them. So a lot of times, like I will have not arguments, but like constantly like these bashing of communication because someone will say something that is so unconscious, but they've said it. And I'm then so aware of what they're saying. And I'm trying to understand that. And it's this constant dance of somebody that just says things without thinking. And then somebody that's like, but 
what do you mean by that? Like I'm receiving that and I need to understand that, you know, I think the key is finding people that are like-minded. So you're already past certain subjects. You know, I don't have to go and talk about veganism with all my friends because we're already on the same page, but then also people that are open to conversations Mm -hmm. and that have reached a certain level of being comfortable having certain conversations, you know, like for example, if I've dated somebody that will say something that's so obnoxious, or so hurtful, and then they don't want to take responsibility for it or help me understand what they mean by that. It serves no purpose because we're not going to get anywhere. Versus someone that maybe says something, but then they're open to hearing you say, like, when you say this, it it makes me think that you think or believe this. And they're comfortable having that conversation. You know, it's very tough to find that tribe in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I just, all my friends, I have amazing friends, but they're all vegan. They're all like-minded, you know? That is a nice place to come to. I have that as well. I feel like we need so many more people like you in the world, really elevating the conversation and elevating the critical thinking and elevating the consciousness. I speak about a lot of this in my teachings is that really, if we're going for this raising of consciousness, we have to be active participants and active teachers in it and always turn on ourselves as well. I really appreciate so much what you're doing. So how can people find out more about you? And Yeah, they can just find me on Instagram, the Sarah Lee, T-H-E-S-A-R-A-H-L-E-A. And from there, my website's there, all of that. They can just shoot me a DM if they want to find out more and I can guide them in the, the necessary way. But yeah, I would say just go to my Instagram. Yes, and it is, you will get, you will go down a rabbit hole because your videos, your reels are so funny and clever. And they just have enough cheekiness to provoke the question, but it's done in such a wonderful way. Yeah, it's like a fine line because on the one hand, I'm talking about animal communication and the feelings of animals. But then on the other hand, I'm like, I know that my purpose is to have people change to vegan and they're not going to change if I'm like, well, screw you for eating meat, you know? But if you're like, presenting it in like a pretty way or a comedic way or whatever it is, they like, oh, and then they read the caption. They're like, oh my God, I didn't know that about the fact that like a cow had to have been pregnant in order to produce lactose. Like I'm trying, it's like constantly find that balance between how do I present it, but then also presenting like the harsh side of it, you know? Yeah. Well, you do it beautifully. You do it beautifully. Yeah. You're very gifted at it. So keep it up and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. And for everybody out there, please look her up and ask us, ask me any questions about veganism because we are both huge believers and know what it can do for you and your heart. And as always, I'm pulling for you.